This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Rise above and be in control with today's business headlines, driven by Volvo Cars. 8.48 right now, you're listening to The Morning Run. Chuang, Joyce and Mel here, keeping you company and keeping you abreast of the latest news in business and politics. Now, taking a quick look at Joe Lowe. Apparently, according to the New York Times, uh, they cited government filings there in the US. Joe Lowe has spent over 1.1 million US dollars in the past seven months on public relations services. Um, this is to improve his reputation and image. So these services include round-the-clock PR or crisis PR response, efforts to shape internet search results, and also a website to, um, I guess, bolster his side of the story. And that's filled with international reports and legal filings. So I believe that website uh, describes him as a global philanthropist. Yeah, that's about as incorrect as calling Wayne Rooney a male model. But um... I don't get the joke. Is that another football joke? <laughs> yes, yeah, I it think is. So. I'm going to Google Wayne Rooney while you keep talking. <laughs> he ain't no oil painting, I'll put it that way, okay? <laughs> but this, you know, if, if Malaysians are not insulted and unhappy about this development, they should. Because... This guy, Joe Lau, he's basically stole billions and billions of dollars from Malaysia and then spends that money on telling lies to you about the fact that he's apparently a good person when in fact he's not. He's a liar and a criminal. It's terrible. Um, so, I mean, basically this arm of PR is called litigation communications, right? Litigation, litigation communications. communications. Mm. It's a fast-growing gr- field. And I think it's basically a clientele which are made up of rich CEOs, politicians, and basically uh, no-gooders in this world. So I did some search on the internet and I found that two names popped up, FTI Consulting from London and Appco Worldwide. FTI Consulting used to be known as Financial Dynamics. I used to work with them in London. They're a very good firm and they've got lots of divisions within the business. And then Appco Worldwide. Appco Worldwide, incidentally, or not coincidentally, also used to hire a guy called Paul Stadlin, who also, not coincidentally, was also jang, 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 Najib's spin doctor. <laughs> no element there of you surprise. Go. There you go. <laughs> but I must say, you know, these filings provide a glimpse into this whole litigation communications industry, which caters, I guess, to the wealthy people and corporations who engage in legal battles. Put it this way, if you're poor, you don't have to manage any reputation, right? Well, <laughs> it's not that you don't have to, you're not able to, right? So if you're and no poor, one cares about you. So so what we what kind of so what we're taking away from this piece of news is the fact that for one, Jolo still cares about his uh, international reputation, so he's clearly taking proactive steps to manage it. And secondly, he can still afford to do this because one point one million allegedly one point one million a ring uh, dollars, dollars dollars right uh, for over seven months to manage reputation mm-hmm. is a lot of money. So clearly, he's still plugged in, and secondly, he's still um, minted. <laughs> Minted, like minted, without money. It's terrible. Uh, by the way, I just Googled Wayne Rooney. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, so you agree. Fantastic. Well, the firms are also saying that what you're doing is apparently to also ensure the client is not prejudged in public in a manner that affects his legal rights. Mm-hmm. Also, they would rather have the public think of in that way. Um, it's not a new branch of PR necessarily. I mean, you can go back to all the days of Lord Bell Pottinger. He's, you know, advised Berezovsky, Thaksin Chenawatra, I think even Margaret Thatcher back in the day. Um, spin doctors, that's what they do. That's Either true. They, they advise companies or they advise individuals. Look, I understand that's completely true, but um, I think the question to be asked here is how effective is it, right? So um, It can be very how effective. How effective is it, not just for a Malaysian audience, but especially 
especially if you're targeting, say, an international audience. You've got a you've got an international P- crisis PR management firm managing your international reputation. Yes, you know Malaysians have an idea or have already have a preconceived notion of who of Joe Low, but um, whether or not this will be effective on the global stage, whether he will be able to scrub up his image in the global stage, is I think the question at hand here. And speaking of Joe Low and One MDB, um, I just also want to point out that uh, Uma Pagan and Pike Pagan of the Evening Edition spoke to Louis uh, Story from the New York Times yesterday, um, and she is the uh, New York Times staff reporter who first wrote about Jolo in 2015, and um, the New York Times has uh, a documentary out, a new documentary on Jolo called The Collaptocrats. Um, which uh, Louise wrote and executive produced. So if you're keen to know more about that, you can download the podcast on the BFM app. All right, turning our attention to comments made by the Federal Territories Minister Khalid Samad. He has proposed a political fundraising platform that utilizes cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. This is called Harapan coin. <laughs> what do you guys think about uh, a cryptocurrency called Harapan coin? Well, I think some context is important here because Harapan coin was actually uh, started as a, as a scheme uh, way before GE14. It was meant to kind of like raise funds for campaign funding so for a then impoverished uh, opposition uh, coalition, opposition uh, p- politicians to go up against the gun, the, the gunpowder of, of, of an UMNO-BN machinery, which, as we know, by now is very well-funded. So um, it's not something new. Um, originally, a lot of brickbats because cryptocurrencies have gotten a bad name because they've been used by and large as a black market for funneling uh, ill-gotten gains via drug dealers, etc., if you believe the hyperbole. But it can also be a force for good. And I initially, I was a bit of a skeptic in terms yeah, of this Yeah, well, surely currency. the hyperbole is coming from somewhere, Chuang. Yeah, I mean, because it's not just not coming from somewhere. Correct. It definitely has Correct. been proven. You can send money um, to, to people uh, and you can funnel. Ch- ch- it's an alternative financial system. But then you can also say the uh, the Chetias of Penang and the network, <laughs> the vast network of global Chetias can also be one as well. I mean, you know, look, I mean, the fact that it's quite um, fashionable at this point in time to talk about cryptocurrencies gives it kind of like a bad name, but it is basically the, the early stages of a technology revolution. Yeah, looking at this uh, Harpan coin, according to the white paper published back in January, it was created to fund and finance the opposition then, their movement against the former BN government in preparation for G14 and it claimed to be the first digital currency in the world to be utilised as a strategy to win an election and pre-sales had begun in January for a period of two months with a target to raise up to 3 million US dollars and uh, I think also that the paperwork and presentation on it apparently will be presented to Bank Negara and the Prime Minister, Tun Mahathir. Yeah, see, look, the reason why I'm cautious about it is because Bank Negara is cautious about it. They've already said that, you know, they've taken a very cautionary stance when it comes to ICOs, to initial coin offerings. And, they, you know, it's they've already said it's not legal tender here. But, and if you want to get involved, you know, go in with risks, eyes wide open. You should be aware of the risks involved. Well, you know, further context is required here because Bank Negara, like every other central bank, Bank in the world is essentially a guardian of the, of the financial system. Yeah, sure. uh, the financial system is c- comprises banks, and banks are, ne- are, are in essence intermediaries between the funders and the, and the users of that funds. And so is Bank Nagara. The whole essence of the cryptocurrency mechanism is it decentralizes um, structures. It it basically enables peer to peer funds flow um, without any intermediaries. And in in essence, what Bank Nagara is doing 
in a conceptual sense, it is it is an intermediary. Okay, and all right. It will be disrupted by the cryptocurrency mechanism. So, so if I'm hearing you correctly, the idea of Harappan coin as the, the, the idea of cryptocurrencies generally in general, but, but is, it, it disintermediates. It removes the the third parties, the the middle parties, the the third the. The broker. The, the broker. Okay. The so, so, but but if if you look at Harapan Coin specifically, which is a you know political kind of fundraising platform, do you think that this mitigates the issues that we are seeing already with political financing and political fundraising? So you have this, you know, the opacity, the opacity yeah. of political financing. Now it's going to be, I guess, disrupted with crypto. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. So so the the essen- the the, uh, the essential pushback to the Harapan Coin is the fact that you might get um, um, uh, f- funny money into the yeah, equation, right? Yeah, you don't right? know who's behind that, the, the, the funding, right? Who's giving that, that actual, or who's buying the coin. But it's a structural thing. If you structure it right so that it's completely transparent, then why not use it, mm. right? Okay, well, Jessica has weighed in on WhatsApp saying that the Harapan coin is a good idea in her opinion, and she's really looking forward to it. But, you know, this is uh, coming off the back of news that uh, Bitcoin yesterday plummeted under 6,000 US dollars. It hit the lowest level of the year. Uh, I think overnight in overnight trade, a 9%, it fell to a low of $5,640. It's very volatile, you know. It actually hit uh, nearly 20000 US dollars from December last year and look at where it is today Mel you just mentioned that Mm. it's yeah so it can be really volatile as well yeah as can be every other asset market in the world yeah but this volatile Chuang Mm. 9% overnight that's volatile I tell you what I used to work in the small cap market in in London 30 to 40% a day (laughs) intraday in fact within half an hour I do look at me (laughs) and do you know what the most commonly traded um, small caps in those days was Chinese solar makers PV Solar Mm. Producers. All right. Okay. Well, we've got the 9 o'clock news bulletin um, and we'll give you the opening numbers um, in the news bulletin. But after that, we'll come back and take a look at what's happening in some of the stocks, including Syntax and Daibochi. So stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Keeping you on track for peak business performance with the new Volvo XC40, the expression of innovation. Volvo, made by Sweden. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.